0: Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ron Swallow. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm producer Bill. And today, we will be discussing
1: the greatest Spider-Man villains. He has a bunch of them, and we're going to go through them from our personal recollections. If we don't talk about your personal favorite, it's just like that werewolf episode. We didn't talk about a lot of (laughs) shit y'all motherfuckers wanted us to talk about, but it was uh, me and Bill's recollections of werewolves, not yours. So now... This is our recollections and from our lives talking about the impacts on our lives of all these Spider-Man villains and where they rank in the greatest Spider-Man villains.
0: Do we start with least cool and then go to the best or do we just throw out what we like and start talking about it? How do we want to do
2: this? I think we all just need to throw out our favorite obscure Spider-Man villains with really no elaboration. But I'll just start with uh, Vermin and Paste Pot Pete. Boom. Nice. <laughs> nice um i will go with
1: the puma oh yeah i, I love the puma <laughs> i fucking love the puma obviously people have given native american characters short shrift and a lot of media they're you know kind of uh parodied and and sort of um respected into being boring and shitty on some level it's like either either you know what i mean the whole but i think there was a sweet spot with the puma I don't know why
2: we've seen more shocker stories than puma stories. I do not know why that is. <laughs> I just want to point out already, even in talking about the throwaway Spider-Man villains, we have a were puma and a were rat in vermin, and we yeah. are going to continue to see animal themes as we go through. Ron, what are some of your favorite throwaway Spider-Man villains? Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with black tarantula. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I think La, La Tarantula, or rather uh, La- La- the the Tarantula is what? Uh, who am I? Batman and the Batman. <laughs> 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 the-, the-, the Tarantula. Yeah, he's got like spikes on his boots, with like like kind of like that old James Bond villain that had knives in the front of his shoe, and those spikes are have a venom on them, and he hops around like Betrock the Leaper trying to stab uh, Spider Man, from my recollection. And I didn't believe he has Latin. He started in Argentina.
0: Oh, yeah. there you go, Carlos, a little muerto, um, oh. and and he's got. Uh, I mean, look, it's an aesthetic as well. It's like another different version of of the Spider
2: Man. Okay, okay, gonna throw a Molten Man in there for another uh, shitty Spider Man <laughs> villain. That's actually kind of dope. Guy is somehow just uh, like a, a lava, like a metal lava man. I mean, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, along those lines, motherfucking Hydro Man,
1: honorable mention, Hydro Man, Ooh, Hydro Man, dude, Hydro Man should run the Earth, but he is too stupid. I love that villain, like him absorbing Man. Those guys that have ultimate godlike power, but they don't have enough vision to do anything with it boy i'm living that right now <laughs> no, but really i, I just it, it's it is interesting that hydra man was bad motherfucker uh, i i read the first time i read him really was in the uh, uh i think a todd mcfarland run where they're on their way to venom and he has like three pages where he's giving spider-man hell and then all of a sudden spider-man realizes that like wait a minute you're robbing a construction site trying to take their 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 money they get paid by check why are you even here? This is the dumbest crime ever. And he tricks him into some electrical equipment or something and gets them all fucked up and detains him some kind of way. But it's like, Hydro Man should run the Earth. Hydro Man yeah. controls water. We're all water. The Earth is water. Why isn't Hydro Man running shit? Instead of getting smacked up by Spider-Man in the first three pages of an issue where he fights
2: Venom later. What the fuck is that? I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said here, or at least observed here, that like... There are so many Spider-Man villains that he has a Water Man, a Fireman, and an Earthman between <laughs> Hydro Man, Molten Man, and uh, and uh, Sand I mean, like they are just going with every gimmick possible because Spider-Man has such a sure fit of villains that it's like anything you could think of. There's a Spider-Man villain for it. There's I, even I, a.
0: I isn't there a kangaroo version? Isn't there a kangaroo? Oh, the kangaroo. Guy? kangaroo. The yeah, kangaroo. Man.
1: He has big boxing. He has big um, boxing um, gauntlets on, kind of like, kind of like a ox. That guy yeah. ox that is mm, part okay. of the that weird crew that used to fuck with him. He's got these big boxing things, and he and he fights. I, I don't know how many times that Kangaroo appeared. He could jump high too. Obviously, yeah, yeah.
0: he's got a robotic suit too. <laughs> I, I really like Spider-Man the Spider-Man villains. Out there, yeah, we
2: we got out of the out of the way up front a bunch of obscure goofy ones, and now we can get into the real conversation. So except that's, for the puma, except for the puma, he's all the right, best. all right. Puma, puma's in the running for no, he's not, not for the greatest. Uh, no, 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 he's
1: definitely no. not in the running for the greatest. No, but that's only because they they have him, they haven't pushed off to the side, and they need to center him more. Anyway, uh, what's I mean, my last one that I think is just stupid as hell. I think. I'm going to go Shocker. Shocker should not be in our list of greatest ones. And I just think the Shocker is kind of, uh, I like the way that they did him in the MCU. You know, fuck the neckbeards. I don't need to see Shocker treated seriously because Shocker sucks ass. For Characters sure. that shouldn't be treated seriously should be treated stupidly uh, like they were in that movie. And he had, and the, I guess there was two shockers in that movie. The, it was a it was a legacy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Pretty much because one got his ass killed and then it was like, hey, you take his gloves. You're, now you're the shocker. Pro, boom.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> so that was pretty great.
1: Ass. Hey, it but does. I got to say, his
2: costume looks fresh, dude.
1: He looks Listen, like a BDSM
2: does. blanket. <laughs> I, I, I got to say... Two, two things when it comes to the shocker. Number one, um, if you ever read that Max Landis fan fiction, and you know me, I'm not the type to recommend fan fiction, nor do I really want to give Max Landis a lot of air because he seems to be a huge piece of shit. But back when he was a kid, before he was writing um, big budget screenplays and theoretically before he was harassing women he wrote this like multi-part prose fan fiction that was like all about the shocker, essentially uncovering some conspiracy and trying to stop it and like go straight. And he had the Rhino and the black cat and obviously Spider-Man all as supporting characters to this story around the shocker. And that shit got me, man. Like it totally humanized a bullshit weird villain. Um, and it kind of makes me think of this. Is my second point: the Prowler in Into the Spider-Verse, where they mm. took a character that was very much a C-list kind of laughable Spider-Man villain and turned him into a straight-up badass. I think that's something you could do with either Shocker or Puma. You know, just yeah. invest him in a little bit more. Uh, just invest a little more gravitas into the character. Like treat him seriously. And I think you could have something there, but if you're not going to do that, I do like the way they did it in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so no shocker, fuck shocker. Um, <laughs> I'll throw him in uh, a vat with electric eels. Wait a minute, <laughs>
2: <laughs> then you'll he's get gonna... electro, dude. He's
1: got, he's got. It, it seems like it's like whatever you'd want to do to a big ass spider in your house. Ah, uh, throw some sand on it. Throw some water on it. Try to try to execute it. Try to try to execute it. it. Get it away. <laughs> try, try to let this fucking spider.
0: Now oh. we just need a paper man, and it's uh, you just <laughs> it he just goes under like, Spider Man
2: and puts him outside. I did want to mention, <laughs> by the way. First of all, yes to that. But also, <laughs> Spider-Man does have an Airman villain, so we get all 4 Willow Will-o'-the-Wisp is essentially a villain with air powers. Oh, my God. And I mean, this is crazy. When you go down the rabbit hole of Spider-Man villains, it is nuts what you come across.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of the big ones. Um, I think I'm going to bring up one of the more like I've got to say it's controversial, even though it's sort of not. And that's Craven, the hunter mm. because, because, mm. and here's it's why, because nice. Craven, the hunter, uh, when the story is right, is, is a super cool, bad guy. Like it's, it's like a super interesting character when the story is right, but he's also sort of an idiot who's easily to make fun of at the same time. Mm. So it's interesting where, He's one of these characters where like I think he's also not as tough as Spider-Man like for the most part. I guess there was one point where he took like some kind of thing that gave him strength um of the the strength of a lion or some crazy shit like that, but mm. for the for the most part he's like you know just an interesting character who's a hunter who and he's also a guy who Goes after Spider-Man specifically, so it changes the whole dynamic. Usually, it's Spider-Man stopping someone from doing something nefarious for the most part, but Craven puts him in a weirder situation because it's literally a guy trying to hunt you and better and show that he's better than you, uh, which I think puts Spider-Man in a unique um, position a lot of times.
1: Well, I mean, I think the thing about the the, the, the cool thing about Craven because. It's so weird when we went on um um another round the drink and draw uh sub show with um uh Jeff Johnson and Stephen Jones and Scott Collins, uh yep. we were on there and we were doing um Craven the Craven's Last Hunt, uh the the series are uh, drawn by Mike Zach and uh, written by J M Dematteis, mm-hmm. uh and that showed that um that Craven could have all this gravitas and be a true like Russian hero who went and made a bunch of true blue African friends who were willing to like bury him after his death. And he had suicidal depression. And one of his last acts was to try to be a better Spider-Man and Spider-Man. And he accomplishes that in the story and could truly die at the end. And it's just powerful because he'd been such a jackass forever. Like it it has this power because it is peeling back the curtain to show the, 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 behind the sets of the truman show you know what i'm saying that that you really got to see who craven was as a person and i do think that he is um one of the only characters in here that is trying to be at least spider-man's lex luthor somebody who has enough power to fuck with spider-man but still see spider-man as some uber mensch that must be taken down a peg a lot of people don't really see Spider-Man that way. They see him as a menace or they see him as like a a, a pest in their plans. But Craven sees him as the true Ubermensch, the overpowerful person who makes him feel small in comparison. So he must puff himself up and defeat that guy to regain his manhood type thing. That's that's to me the thing that's interesting about Craven's motivation from the get go. Even in the Ditko comics, he was that way.
2: I think what kind of works against him, though, is that that is so counter to how the stories themselves try to portray Spider-Man. Yep, like Spider-Man yep. is so the opposite of an Ubermensch that it sort of makes Craven look goofy by dint of the fact that that's how he sees Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's like the reader knows how wrong he is, and so it just makes him kind of look like an idiot.
0: That's exactly no, I, I, what I was talking about. That. Like, there's just yeah. something interesting about the dichotomy between this character, because there is like last hunt is a great comic. It's that, that, that run is amazing, but he is also an idiot who looks mm. stupid mm. all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was, yeah. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Thanks. And the Tarzan, the Tarzan myth point. is very hard to do full yeah. stop because I mean, yeah. Tarzan, the original sucks ass what do you think a, six, <laughs> a sixth grade copy of Tarzan is you know what I mean so but again I think J.M. DeMatteis showed his chops in making Craven dope for that last story and I just wish man we would let some of these motherfuckers be dead I really yeah. do <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean that's that's the thing like I first encountered Craven in the comics back when I was reading the clone saga and it was actually Craven's son who who was coming to seek revenge on Spider-Man for what happened to his father. And he first goes after the clone until he realizes that that's not the Spider-Man who ostensibly killed his father. And so he has to, because of honor, he lets that Spider-Man live and goes off to search for the Peter Parker Spider-Man. And like not having read Craven's last hunt at that point and only really knowing the character from the animated series I was just like, well, this is just a dumb, nothing, uh, you know, detour in the story. Like, I don't give a shit about his son who wants vengeance. Um, And I think that goes to what you're saying, Ed, is it's like they just keep trying to milk the character because Craven's Last Hunt is such a seminal story. And it's like, we got to keep trying to squeeze blood from this stone instead of just letting it lie. And that just kind of sucks. Dude, speaking of which, just really quickly, uh, last
1: things last, they're making that Craven movie, and that's how they're doing it. It's it's the son, it's the son of Craven, and he's got some mission to stop poachers. And basically, instead of being an exploiter and white colonizer, he's like a dude who's showing like solidarity with the animals by like wearing their skins, like the skins that are already taken by bad guys. So he's like wearing their skins as he fucks up the poachers, like he's the animals' avatar almost or some shit. I'm just like. You know what? You could try out. You could bark all day, little doggy. That dog ain't gonna
0: bite. <laughs> well, they're trying to make <laughs> him a hero. That's so stupid.
1: Yeah, I mean, who the fuck is he gonna fight? He can't fight Spider Man. Who go fight Andrew Garfield?
0: That's you know what I'm saying? He,
1: they, they're doing a fucking craven movie, and he can't fight Spider Man. So you end up with this fish nor foul Venom product. Well,
0: look, product. I was gonna, I was gonna say since we're we're talking about it, that was my biggest problem with the Venom movies. Is it's like, well, what's the point? Venom's whole point of venom is to fight spider-man he hates spider-man that's his whole literal his whole existence it's about fighting spider-man so i don't understand how you can make a movie without him but that being said still a pretty great uh uh, uh
2: character for for spider-man to fight i mean i think venom is a contender for greatest spider-man villain and uh, yeah I, I will say like as someone who normally thinks that you know mumbo gumbo should be avoided I think the expanded sort of symbiote mythology that they've created has been overall pretty great in the Marvel universe. I think barring the fact that they turned the symbiote God into a dude um, with the King in black and like that. I forget the name of the character, but that's just kind of shitty. It's like you have this really interesting vision of like an alien race that exists so differently than humans, but it's like, But no, the ultimate version of this alien is just a dude. And like, I'm not into that. But up to that point, like the way that they reproduce and split and you get like increasingly unstable, crazier versions as they continue to reproduce and the fact that you know, it came from outer space during the original Secret War and what it did to Peter Parker first and then, you know, the way that they have this sort of running storyline to set up Eddie Brock and then Eddie Brock sort of has his own reckoning with the symbiote and the symbiote and Eddie Brock split and it goes on and has subsequent Venom hosts. Like, I think all that stuff has actually been executed quite well in the comics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Venom's a great character because This is another character that's mostly after Spider-Man just Mm. because he hates him so much. And he is also sort of halfway good because he's trying not to hurt innocent people in the whole process. You'll take out Spider-Man and anyone gets in the way of that. They're not innocent anymore. But I mean, I think Eddie Eddie Brock has that tiny bit of control.
2: Eddie Brock in the comics is a very complex and interesting character. And I think it's been a little bit shitty how he's been treated in movies from Topher Grace to even the Tom Hardy version, because when he hated Spider-Man, it wasn't some weird philosophical thing like with Craven. It was literally like through a series of shitty events, Peter Parker ruined my life. I hate Peter Parker then i encounter this symbiote and the symbiote reveals to me oh peter parker is actually spider man okay in order to get my revenge on peter parker i need the symbiote because me eddie brock the dude isn't gonna go and kill spider-man so let's get together because we both hate this fucking guy and we want to bring him down and like that I don't know. I, I'm usually not in for supervillains with pure revenge plots, but I think Venom's works really well because it is so personal. It's not about like you didn't save my mother, or you know, it, it it doesn't have anything to do with the superheroing, it just has to do with like Peter Parker is fucking preventing me from living the life I want at every turn. And I, I you know, just essentially Eddie Brock is just kind of a giant incel. Who gets a super powered suit? And I for me, that works. I think it works. <laughs> well yeah, dude. Oh my God. I
1: never did see Eddie Brock get no ass. Oh, my God. Right? It's so funny when you try to trace back people's villain stories, and it all goes back to the same place. <laughs> a lot no of the pussy. time it goes I'm telling back you. To that place. Uh, it's a no- it's a Lipton weights,
0: trying to look as good as you possibly can, even That's getting what a, a, a high-power job to be, a like, a journalist with a little bit of power, a little bit of prestige and the whole thing. Still not getting pussy,
2: Eddie well, think- Brock is 100% a Sigma male MRA guy all day long. <laughs> oh, all day. Oh, 100 push-ups for every rejection I got on Hinge. Okay. Um,
1: so, but basically, uh, the thing, I, I, what I'll impart about Eddie Brock, I remember to this day the the uh, like $6.95 graphic novel version of all the Venom adventures drawn by Todd McFarlane and, and written by Dave Michelini at the time. It's a slim volume. And I remember taking it to like middle school and somebody like stepping on it and bending the spine. You know what I mean? And shit like that. And I'm just like, oh. it was just my precious at that time. Oh. And I read those stories over and over and over and over again. And the thing that really dawned on me is like, I think the Eddie Brock symbiote relationship is fresh as fuck. Like, I'm, w- w- imagine meeting somebody who can help you beat up you're a bully and the thing is you can physically the thing about eddie brock any if eddie brock wanted to just catch peter parker slipping somewhere and beat his ass he could theoretically but the but the monster thing reveals to him that no you couldn't if mm-hmm. you ran up on that young boy he would whoop your goddamn ass but let me tell you something mean gene i got something for that
2: mm-hmm. i'll make
1: you stronger than him i'll make you as stronger than him as you are physically you know what I'm saying? So he's a twerp that can lift ten tons. You're a super buff dude, and I have his power stored inside me. I'll give him to you for a very small price. I, uh, yeah, don't sell what's already sold, bitch. Jump on my body, get in my <laughs> anus, whatever way it happens. Let's go. You know what I mean? That, there's something interesting about the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The enemy is my the enemy of my enemy is my lover. The enemy of my enemy is my best friend. Yeah. There's something so sick about those those first run of Venom stories. Last thing last. Him folding clothes with Aunt May when fucking Peter Parker comes home. As goofy as it was drawn by fucking Todd McFarland is not realistic. I mean, that motherfucker, I mean, he, he doesn't draw reality on any level, but what he does is brilliant cartooning. And the look on Peter Parker's face, with Eddie Brock's folding clothes and doing laundry with Aunt May at his house. It's shocking to me now. I feel something in my body now, like the panel reveal of, of yeah. Peter Parker's face looking at him and Brock just being, I could snap your motherfucking basically mother's neck right now. You better relax, motherfucker. Th- there was some motion and power to that scene. Uh, it's just it's
2: chilling almost. I, I, I would argue that it is. I, there, it's almost the original um, Green Goblin story done better. Right, yep, it's yeah. o- it's almost like that. Oh my God, this is somebody who's in my life who could get to me in a way that like I can't possibly stop. And then on top of it, in him is essentially Spider Man's kryptonite, like that whole thing of I can override your spider sense so you can't see Oof, me coming. Yes, like yes. when that first was when that was first introduced, like that shit is. Crazy good. That's just like yeah. that's good shit, man.
1: And it yeah. helps. And, 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 it helps to put Spider-Man over if he does not have precognition. He has to be even sicker than he was before. He has to think harder than he's ever fought, thought, and fought before. Amazing yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. It definitely puts a. a it, we've talked about this before. One of the best thing about Spider-Man's villains is that most of the time he is outclassed, but when he's going up against Venom, he is massively outclassed. Because every other time he has he has spider sense and it allows him to dodge a lot of the you know Doc Doc Ock's arms or 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 you know pumpkin bombs or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like this is like he has to just figure that out. He has to watch and and react and 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 actually fight. So uh, that it, this might be putting him maybe I maybe I brought this up a little too early because Venom definitely is in the top top couple for sure.
1: No, he's he's up there, but I do think that some of the ones we're going to talk about in a minute have a sense of history and gravitas that obviously Eddie Brock is close to approximating. But like over the course of time, some of these villains have kind of helped to make Spider-Man who he is in a way that like was you know the person that Eddie Brock met and tried to defeat was created by fighting Doc Ock and other people like that. So, but really quick, as far as an also ran that I just enjoy. I enjoy Tombstone. Hmm. I enjoy Tombstone very much. Ooh. I don't I don't enjoy them trying to like retcon him to have super strength and shit and I don't know that I um I mean I think it's necessary for him to fight Spider-Man but even then if if Tombstone was as as strong as Spider-Man he'd still get fucked up cuz he's just some guy. But the bottom line is his story is interesting. He's like an al- albino gangster, albino black gangster. Who knew Robbie Robertson from when they were little kids? And he was like a ghostly pale figure in the in the in the ghetto fog, basically. <laughs> that man fucking uh, Robbie Robertson when he was a little kid. He was he was the fucking Boo Radley in the fucking abandoned house. He was the guy at the end of the block wanting your lunch money and shit. He was he was he, three o'clock high and Robbie Robertson all over the place. And later on, he becomes this big gangster and he starts threatening Robbie Robertson and using, trying to make Robbie Robertson use his, um, uh, he's, Robbie Robertson is basically second in command at the newspaper to J. Jonah Jameson, trying to make Robbie Robertson like, I don't know, perjure himself, use his influence to further gangster goals, something like that. And it was his personal private agony that Robert Robertson was going through. He he, he didn't know that he had Spider-Man right here to help him. You know what I mean? He's mm. going through this personal private extortion and agony Kind of like in those Daredevil stories where where the Kingpin was torturing Ben Urich by sending like fat ladies to choke his wife and shit like that. Fucking Tombstone was doing a lightweight version of that to Robbie Robertson. And I just remember like the visceral, like Robbie Robertson finally trying to be like, I need help. And Spider-Man helping him to fuck up Tombstone and having like a a meaning like like if Spider-Man could beat up the clown from it for you. You know what I'm saying? Like just something like that (laughs) was going on in that story. And I just felt like that was very. So I think Tombstone is an interesting character as a human gangster who, even though Spider-Man could beat him up, maybe he doesn't have enough evidence to be doing that. Maybe he's, you know, like a low level Kingpin for Spider-Man to mess with since Kingpin got stolen and given to Daredevil. I just think Mm -hmm.
2: he, he deserves a little honorable mention, Tombstone. I think, you know, Spider-Man has a lot of great sort of crime boss villains in the mold Mm -hmm. of the Kingpin. You've got um, Silvermane, you've got uh, Alistair Smythe or Spencer Smythe, whoever, you know, Alistair Smythe, I think, was the mutated son. But, you know, you've got uh, the Rose, who I guess was Kingpin's son. You know, you've got all these guys who are sort of like one step removed from being like a true supervillain. But, you know, the adds to sort of the soap operatic nature of Spider-Man's world, yeah. even in his superhero identity, because there's all these people who are constantly jockeying for power, you know, in the underworld, which I think, you know, is a great part of the whole Spider-Man story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great character. I mean, look, they also have hammerhead. Yeah, there uh, you go. Not as cool as tombstone, which is interesting because hammerhead is, you know, uh, but he's it's almost like they took to like Tombstone is almost like if they took Hammerhead and made it more interesting because Hammerhead yeah. is basically just a thug with a with a hard head.
2: Yeah, he's, a, he's a Dick Tracy villain. He, he's definitely yeah. he's a Dick Tracy villain for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree.
0: All right. So um, I
2: guess another one that I think is interesting is Chameleon. Hmm. Um, wasn't he, he was one of the very first villains in the comics, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think he is actually the first, uh, villain, at least. Ooh, Um, there we go. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting.
2: Sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking this up right now. That is correct. From amazing Spider-Man issue one, which is only the second appearance of Spider-Man after amazing fantasy 15. Chameleon is your, your villain. So there you go nice yeah he's just done a lot
0: of really fucked up shit <laughs> so i guess there's <laughs> i guess there's more villains that really do hate spider-man but they hate him once he's like thwarted them mm. you know he's he thwarts them and then he's like okay they're like okay well we got us with this can't happen again and then he's this guy like i'm trying to remember he either made clones no not clones i think it was androids he made an android version of of um of Peter's parents, yes, just to fuck with him. <laughs> yes,
2: I remember that storyline well because that was when I got into the reading the Clone Saga and Spider-Man comic books. Like that storyline was just ending on the front end of the Clone Saga, and it like it really. I remember it was in issues drawn by Mark Bagley, like. It left Peter Parker reeling like he was so angry and sad because he felt like after his whole life, his parents had mysteriously disappeared. It was revealed that they were actually alive. And, you know, he learned that they were shield agents, but like it was OK because he was going to get them back. And yeah, it was all a mind fuck by the chameleon, like really n- gnarly shit. That's a natural transition into,
1: uh, I think, one of my favorite um, Spider-Man villains, motherfucking Mysterio. He seems oh, yeah. messing with Spider-Man's reality seems to be a big deal because of the fact that his, his senses are so dope and all this different shit. Uh it, it's it's I think it's emblematic that Mysterio finds his end in a certain uh, from a certain point of view in a Daredevil comic. And he's yeah. using all that shit to mess with Daredevil's senses. It's like it's nice that they share that villain. I think that, I think them sharing that villain makes more sense than them sharing than than them sharing Kingpin, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Mysterio seems to be more of an equal ability to be a Daredevil villain and a Spider-Man villain than the other way around. So Spider-Man used to tussle with Kingpin, and he was just, he was just playing patty cake with the motherfucker. He could, he could, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He could have yeah. DDT'd that motherfucker's fat melon head apart anytime he wanted to. Whereas Daredevil, Daredevil needs to eat his Wheaties before he come fucking with Kingpin. He gotta be rested and eat his Wheaties. You yeah. know what I mean? And they've definitely had continuities where spider-man was in prison with a kingpin and fucked him up in front of a bunch of people <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like uh, i just don't buy him being a spider-man villain anyway mysterio is super dope because he fucks with your reality and i i like mysterio i think he gets short shrift he doesn't have powers and he's still one of a major villains of spider-man him using his um his uh, uh special effects background mm. to fuck with spider-man's reality i i
2: love that man i think that's so awesome I think the problem with Mysterio is a little bit the same problem with Craven. I I just feel like in the comics, he was always just sort of portrayed as like a mook. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh, he's got this whole show um, uh, aesthetic that he puts on, but it was always a little bit wizard of Oz. Like the man behind the curtain was so unimpressive when really like, in order to achieve all that, that dude would have to be genius and like the greatest engineer ever, whoever lived. Mm-hmm. Like he would, he would be on Reed Richards level in order to do all the shit that he does. But he was all at least as far as the comics I've read featuring Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Like he was always just a mook, like, argh, you know, he's like a Scooby-Doo villain, almost like curse mm-hmm. you meddling Spider-Man.
1: What's a, that's what I'm saying though. What's, what's in my head. And honestly, I probably attached more headcanon, he's like a one-man Mission Impossible. Those mm. super dope Mission Impossible gags where they'll make a guy think he was in a coma for six months, and you know what I mean? Or like that yeah. episode yeah. of G.I. Joe where Shipwreck wakes up in a fake town and shit, like the, the Nathan Fielder of it all, you know what I mean? Just like <laughs> I'm going to make a whole fake environment for you and, and fuck you up. It's like, I kind of had a soft spot for those characters, like, but, I, but I don't like Arcade. I think you can see how dope Mysterio mm. is when you look at Arcade. They That's both more or less have the same gimmick. But Mysterio yeah. is like empirically cooler than Arcade, you know yeah. what I mean? So I just think with a little tweak and little tweaks of people like Bendis and people like um, um, Kevin Smith have made good Mysterio stories. And and the Mysterio story that we
2: got in the movie was
0: fucking awesome. It I was, I loved it.
2: That was the best version of Mysterio I've ever seen. Yeah. Frankly, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, honestly, it was great. I, it was it was amazing. Uh, I was super pumped watching that movie. I was and. And it, they did such a great job making him seem like a good guy at first. I, I love that because a lot of times he's just introduced as a villain. You know he's a villain, and there it is. You're now dealing with a villain. Um, but introducing him as a sort of a good guy who may be on your side, super interesting.
1: And giving him an actually interesting way to approximate superpowers. Yes. I think yeah.
0: that was the, the key
1: addition to the canon. Like Even in the um, Kevin Smith one, it was just a lot of work. That went into hmm. him designing these environments and doing the psychological um, um, profile on Daredevil to cause him to go Catholic crazy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he had to do all this work to, to fuck with Daredevil. That's why I love that story. But it's one-upped in the Spider-Man movie by the fact that his yeah, approximating superpowers. And that's why Spider-Man doesn't just beat his fucking ass. Oh, I can't find you in the fog. No, 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 no come at me. I'll send 5,000 drones up your ass. You know what I'm saying? I am for all intents and purposes
2: as super powerful as I support, as I purport to be. That was very interesting to me. I just always feel like Mysterio is a little bit of a missed opportunity though where they could have graduated him to being like the tech supplier to the Marvel Universe underworld, at least in the comic books, right? A different Mm, storyline. Yeah, You know what I mean? And like why he never became that? I I just feel like, I I just feel like the character is just stuck being a little bit second rate. Like his gimmick is so good, there just hasn't been like a classic take on him. The movie I think was the closest thing to mm-hmm. like a really good, bold, classic take on that character. No, well, yeah. and you
1: know what? I I think this is the problem. Uh, last things last, he's not mysterious. Hmm, in yes. the movie, they gave him, they gave him be a little mysterious, and in the and the thing, he wasn't revealed to be the in the Daredevil thing, he wasn't revealed to be the villain until the very end of that Kevin Smith run. Right there was mystery, Mysterio. Right. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. when we know who he is and what's happening with him and what he's doing, and the dissolved an artifice. There's nothing there. So they, 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 you're right. Him supplying people, him being like a my girl listened to these these books on tape, and they have this character in there called the uh, the master criminal. And theoretically, he has plausible deniability on all the crimes in Cairo in like 1904. You know what I mean? He's like the crime Mm. boss of Cairo in 1904. But nobody deals with him directly. Nobody knows what his face looks like. He has five different guises. He might match his Malone up into your organization and be a like do an undercover boss in your organization, even though he's your boss. He could be anywhere. He could be anyone. You know what I mean? They never do that with Mysterio. He's just some fucking asshole in a
2: purple cape waiting to get his ass beat. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm saying. Yes. Um, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, I do have an interesting
0: question for you guys, though. Okay. How do you feel about Hobgoblin?
2: I wanted to go there. Hobgoblin might be my favorite Spider-Man villain. I don't know if he's the greatest but he might be my favorite. And that's um, and
0: that and to be clear it's not the green goblin or the harry osborn green goblin. This is the hobgoblin. The hobgoblin
2: character. Exactly. I so I know that it didn't go this way in the comics, but I think one of the great things about that Spider-Man animated series was that like the green goblin persona was essentially just they stole the hobgoblin's gimmick. Yeah. Um but I like that idea I, Number one, I like the idea that the identity keeps changing, but, like, they keep using the same tech and Um, get-up. And and there have been so many classic Spider-Man stories around the mystery of, like, who is the Hobgoblin? Who is the new Hobgoblin? I have always also thought that the Hobgoblin aesthetic was just overall cooler than the Green Goblin aesthetic. Um, And I like the fact that, like... Because it is a legacy character, because the the mantle keeps getting passed down to different people, sometimes it might be somebody with like a very personal relationship or grudge to spider man or sometimes it might just be a guy who's getting hired to do a job and I like the fact that that also keeps spider man a little bit on edge because like he has history with the Hobgoblin, but is it the guy I know? Is it a new guy like I don't know. I just i i really like this character. I think as far as all the different goblins go, he's definitely to me he's the coolest of the goblins. Um, and I like the the running mystery always surrounding who is the hobgoblin, who is the hobgoblin.
0: Mm, interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it being a weird mantle, like uh, the like almost the shadow or well, not necessarily the shadow, but you understand what I'm saying. Like. Yeah, legacy, a, a weird criminal legacy character. Yeah. Super awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, that's kind of fun because it's like it's almost like saying like anybody can. It's almost like they're using Spider-Man now. You know, anybody can put on the mask. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, and I I w- the thing I love about the 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 hob blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
0: the hobba
2: hobba the hobbit bob Loblaws law blog.
0: Tell um, me how much maybe, you love the hobbit goblin.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I do love I do love hobbits. Everybody knows. Uh no, the hobgoblin is interesting because I think he was one of those dudes who um when Spider Man fought him. He, him being so many different people they could like retroactively um talk about how he was re- he looked different and acted different in different comics they could retroactively be like oh well this was ned Leeds under cybernetic or or drug induced control yeah. this was phil what's his name this is the right. guy who he is right now you know what i mean like this is this guy this is that guy i like kind of like that when 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 The art of the retcon is strong with this one.
2: I think that's kind of what I'm saying is like as far as unnecessarily complicated comic book retcons go, this one to me has always been super, super fun. And part of it is like, you know, there was the original reveal that he was Ned Leeds, but then like that was always a little bit like, well, it doesn't, that doesn't quite work. And so they came back like 10 years later and they revealed that it was a different guy. And then like, since then, I mean, there's literally been like 10 different hobgoblins and it's all part of some greater, weirder conspiracy or whatever. I don't know. I haven't read all of it, but I just, to me, I I'm just always excited when the hobgoblin shows up. I like the character.
0: Okay. uh, That being said, how do you feel about the (laughs) jack-o'-lantern?
2: jack o Lan- listen i read a comic probably back in the early 2000s that was illustrated by oh shit what was his name something ross he was aping todd McFarlane's style at the time luke ross i think is the artist's name and he drew one hell of a jack-o-lantern nice
1: <laughs> i'm not well, i'm not going to talk about jack-o-lantern I, I like his gobble <laughs> i like his glider I think it's kind of it looks like a fucking like a sombrero with a basketball in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So since we talked about uh, Hobgoblin, I guess we should go to Green Goblin. How do you guys feel about Green Goblin? For me, Green Goblin seems to be like
1: um, an examination of you getting superpowers as a dumb old man. i think i think a lot of these are but i think he's the original uh as bill would say apotheosis of that idea Mm. fucking old man gets superpowers what does he do he enhances his business opportunities he enhances his political opportunities uh people like uh the gargoyle advanced their romantic opportunities and i think even norman osborne did too i think i think Norman Osborn, both both of them had weird freaky stuff with ladies, I think. But the bottom line is, yeah, an old man given superpowers acting like Jack Nicholson in, in the movie Wolf <laughs> or, and, and fighting this teen boy. I think Green Goblin is the apotheosis of that idea, even more so than somebody like Dr. Octopus to me.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that original Green Goblin story, you know, one of the all time great stories in comics has that very interesting uh, behind the scenes story of like I forget who Stan Lee was beefing with but there was a disagreement amongst the creative team about whether the Green Goblin should just be some never before revealed new character or whether he should be someone close to Spider-Man and it was like as they kept teasing who is the Green Goblin who is the Green Goblin they couldn't agree on this and I forgot if Stan Lee won or lost when it came to making it Norman Osborn but like That whole, you know, that's the original, that's the original version of like the, the villain slowly tortures the hero and kind of makes him feel like he's going insane and infiltrates every aspect of his life to try to tear him down. You know, Bane did it in the nineties. Green Goblin did it in the sixties. That said, at this point, that character just feels so overexposed and, Mm. and, they've kind of done everything they could possibly do with him. Like if they had just let the character die with Harry, even Harry, like taking over for Norman and, you know, going insane quietly and becoming a new green goblin. And then that being uncovered, that's cool too. But it was like the minute they kept the thing going after Harry Osborn died, it like started to be diminishing returns and then now that that has been a character in literally every single piece of Spider-Man media like ever done, I'm so over the Green Goblin personally.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, now, mm-hmm. I'm reading about it a little bit. It it but the problem is this is Stan Lee talking about it, and as we know, Stan has sometimes exaggerated some of the things that he said. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; I still love Stan Lee, but we can all criticize our our uh, our idols and stuff uh, when they when they make mistakes, but. Stan said that he wanted it to be um, uh, Norman Osborn and Steve Ditko did not. And in fact, this argument was one of the arguments that uh, pushed Steve Ditko to leave. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so Hmm. interesting. Well, see, I think
1: probably probably the battle there is do we stick to this soap opera aesthetic that we've established or can we get nuts with this weird like – our character is this science guy and he's a street level superhero, but he might run into a goddamn goblin from some fucking where every now and again, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think Stan was like, no motherfucker dude. Stan was me. Oh my God. (laughs) Stan was me. He was like, dude, no, he's not going to run into a fucking random goblin. It's a tech businessman who already knows Spider-Man. It's like, is like you know what? Fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm going to read some Ayn Rand,
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know?
1: So, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and that is probably what happened. Cause the, the one thing Stan was great at was like doing these cool personal twists to, uh, to character. So, and Ditko did like to do weird ass shit. So absolutely. Yeah. Which is both cool, by the way. I, I like I like it all, like, but you know. Yeah,
1: unless people think we're giving uh, Green Goblin short shrift, I think it is. He is part of one of the seminal Spider-Man stories of all time. Yeah. The death of Gwen Stacy is a big Absolutely. Fucking deal. Absolutely. All of that stuff, and, and I just think it again. It's like they're so marketable, and they're these great, inexhaustible IP that we don't let them rest where we should let them rest. Like him, them being brought back. And he made like I don't forget whether it was him or the gargoyle who made clones of like Gwen Stacy and shit like that. And just, it was just him being and the a, jackal. Yeah. Yeah, the jackal. I, I said gargoyle. Yeah, the jackal. Yes. That shit is weird. Just let sleeping dogs lie. You know what I mean? Let let Gwen Stacy be dead and be part of Spider-Man's fucking life. Let let the fact that Green that Spider-Man more or less killed Green Goblin. Yes, he got hit with his own thing, but that was a young guy failing. He could have he, he he failed. Norman Osborn mm-hmm. but you know we've been writing now it's he's been alive again longer than he was ever dead now
0: I think yeah I think you know know right. what I mean
1: and they yep, turned so him into like, a
0: Hulk basically
1: yeah they did they, they, so bizarre. Iron Patriot the president of the United States the fucking head of damage control or shield or some goddamn thing the leader of the Thunderbolts all this different goddamn shit you know that he's been it's almost like people are I think people have admitted that Green Goblin is sort of passe but Norman Osborn is pretty cool. That's mm. an interesting thing about it. I think Norman Osborn might be a better villain than Green Goblin.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting distinction to make. I mean, I I also though I think that some of the same overexposure complaints yes. that I have about Green Goblin apply to Norman Osborn. And like, look, capping off the clone saga by revealing that it was all a plot and Norman Osborn is really alive and bringing him back in that big way, and that right. was sort of the the bang up resolution I can't hate that but the fact that Norman Osborn now has done all that shit that you just rattled off is a little bit like okay can we give it a rest like come on (laughs) this is the this is the most evil motherfucker in comics if he (laughs) he is relentlessly evil like he he does not rest he will he keeps trying he is the entrepreneur of evil it's like he keeps pivoting he will pivot 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 I mean at he's least pretty much
0: at- what I think of corporations, so that's well, perfect. That's,
2: yeah,
1: I guess Let's that's true. And even Lex Luthor had a goddamn stimulus package and shit. You know what <laughs> I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you call his dick? Yeah, that 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 that, okay. Um uh, well well then I think we gotta talk about um Doc Ock. Yeah, which is it's an interesting character because I you know what's funny. If you asked me who I liked the best when I was a kid, it probably would have been Venom. And I would not have even thought of Doc Ock as that big of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he is possibly one of the
2: best <laughs> Spider-Man villains. Listen, between the movies and between the whole Superior Spider-Man run. Right. Like, they have been doing some great Doc Ock shit over the past 20 years. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been endeavoring to put over Doc Ock for, like, my entire lifetime. Like, I, I remember when he, when, you know, he would have these goofy-ass Ditko-drawn fights back in the days that, like, didn't, I mean, it was seminal, so it was awesome. But, like, the majesty of having all those arms doing all that hot shit, I don't know that I really felt that. And so I'll tell you what, they got me Uh, my bill looking at Clone Wars shit, like, seminal experience with Doc Ock is when Hmm. I think Eric Larson took over for Todd McFarlane on the Mm Spider-Man book. I think he was writing and and drawing it. And it was at the time when they had Smart Hulk. And somehow Otto Octavius got Adamantium arms on his for for his, you know, uh, Octopus arms and he put a whooping on the incredible Hulk. Mm. And it was and then the Spider-Man was like I got to fight this guy now. I mean, it was it was brutal how the whooping he put on an incredible hulk with these adamantium arms because he just had so much experience fighting that fighting Spider-Man that fighting like the Hulk with this new power was easy for him. And I was like, this motherfucker is on hit, man. And yeah, you you're right, the movie versions, even uh Spider-Verse movie version. Yeah. Very powerful character, very like when they show up, it's t- it's really time to get it on. I never got that feeling from looking at some of the older shits of it, but since about I'd say the early two thousands, they've really been making him somebody the Wu Tang
2: Clan Otto
1: Octavius ain't nothing to fuck with, you know.
2: It is weird though how like the the visual of the arms is underwhelming in comics, and like Mm -hmm. Eric Larson, I think draws the all time best auto octavius like his doc ock rules and he can make it look cool but no comic makes it look as cool as it looks in motion Yes. when you either animated or on film like that character looks so great just the way he moves and the way he can fight spider-man and the way those arms move there's just something so innately cinematic about it that like it puts him over
1: Oh, I, I, honorable mention though. I got to say, uh, there is a Fantastic Four story where basically the Fantastic Four is somewhere. They're not guarding Otto's arms or anything, but the bottom line is Otto's arms get up and leave, and they give <laughs> Mister Fantastic hell for a whole issue. Otto Octavius's arms with no body attached give that's, that's Fantastic awesome. <laughs> Four hell for a whole issue, and I was like, yeah, boy, and burn burn is my honorable mention for drawing some hella good Otto octavius arms he 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 knew how to make it look cinematic and make it look uh not as underwhelming as a lot of people but again gotta give dicko credit for like designing this guy
2: you know yeah no that's fair i mean look i always liked i like my first time reading doc Ock in a comic was in the uh spider-man superman crossover the original one where it was doc <laughs> Doc Ock and Lex Luthor were the, the team up villains. <laughs> Doc Ock kicks ass in that story. Like, he's, he's just an enjoyable character.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And we, can't, we cannot
1: not talk about him without talking about Superior Spider Man. Yeah. I think Superior Spider Man puts over Ock, Doc Ock in such a way that I, I don't know that I've experienced something like this in my lifetime. One of these, frankly, facile cash grab. Now, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great idea. It's it's a great idea for us to like, you know, take away Peter, let us miss him, get him back in the fold. They do that with Superman and Batman man all the people. This is one of the more inspired ones I've ever seen in my whole
0: life. It put over Spider-Man and it put over Doc Ock because you really mm. got to see like what what happens when sp- what Spider-Man actually does out there is control himself all the time. Mm. Like, you know, we've seen that whole that whole thing with with uh, Superman, which is like a kind of cool moment where he's like, I would live in a glass world, blah, blah, blah. And he just like punches the shit out of um, um, Dark Side Dark or Side. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's but it's also for Superman. It's sort of like a we don't really like Superman like that as much. But with Spider-Man, we now know that most of the bad guys he's fighting, he's holding back because he knows he would literally explode their heads if he didn't hold back. And so then we see Doc Ock just like knocking the shit out of people and going, Oh fuck. Like he could have been knocking my ass out the entire time. And he never did. And it's just like really cool run of comics. Like made me like Doc Ock better. Made me even appreciate Spider-Man
2: better. So nice, nice work Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only, really the only downside to Doc Ock is that, you know, for the first 30 years of existence, you know, he was another one of those characters that never really had like his, his closest thing to a classic storyline was when he was dating Aunt May. (laughs) Yeah. Like, which by the way, might be a check mark in his favor. Like that is kind of a dope thing for a villain to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not quite what you're looking for out of your greatest arch nemesis of all time, sort of a deal. As we try to round out the list, I think I might be leaning on Octavius already
1: because, frankly, Otto Octavius. I uh, I was on um best best movies never made, uh, uh, and basically we did like six episodes, like hour long episodes about the development of Spider Man uh, as mo- as a motion picture mm. from the 70s scripts all the way to the ones in the early two thousands. Let me tell you something, me and Gene. Almost all of them were Otto Octavius. Like the Especially the early editions of Stan Lee wrote one. A bunch of people took cracks at it. A bunch of different teams. People who write James Bond movies got on there. All this different shit happened. I'd highly recommend listening to those episodes if you like this shit here. But man, he was in all of them. They kept, And they kept trying to make him be graviton too not only was he Otto octavius but they also did two weird things one of them was always trying to make him make a gravity machine that pulled whole buildings out of the ground to make spider-man i guess have more shit to fight over that's so weird and the other (laughs) thing they did was have him calling being mad at spider-man for calling himself spider-man because Otto octavius is the actual spider-man he has eight (laughs) limbs not spider-man And he kept being obsessed with that for like three, four screenplays. And it would just pop up in different drafts by vastly different writers. I am the real Spider-Man. And it was just so bizarre that he had had such a foothold of pop culture. And he didn't even have those versions that we're all in love with. That's the staying power of that character. He was in everybody's minds in the 70s. He's in our minds right now because he likes – I think he is amongst all these characters – has been modified and kept up with the times almost as many times as Spider-Man has. And I don't know that that's the case for all of these guys. It certainly isn't the case for Mysterio. He was sucky, then he was awesome. Yeah, but yeah. there's been five different versions of Otto Octavius that are passable, and we're not talking about even superior Spider-Man.
0: I just want to say, before we... Because I, I think we're going to finish up with with Otto. I do want to bring in some other quick ones, and and it's because of this. Because you were mentioning how Otto... Is like there was only a couple of lame versions, and the rest is pretty great. But like characters like Morbius, um, <laughs> Scorpion, um, uh, even the lizard, even the lizard's pretty cool. But like a, a lot of these characters are kind of like the Vulture, for instance. The Vulture's only cool because Michael Keaton did a good job. The rest of it is fucking kind of lame, even though he's part of the the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I guess Kingpin kind of counts, but the rest of these guys—Scorpion, Electro—all those guys are sort of like even Sandman, kind of thugs that if you don't do them right, for the most part, they're they're kind of misses.
2: I would agree with that by and large. I mean, I think you know Morbius definitely has that awesome movie to working in its favor. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Morbin time. It's Morbin time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Watch me blow your guys' mind. Are you ready for this? Because yeah. there is a Spider-Man villain we haven't talked about yet that will, will probably win the greatest Spider-Man villain ever. Okay, And that is J. Jonah Jameson. God damn it.
1: God damn. You are correct, sir. Damn.
0: Yep. You know what? Yep. <laughs> Shit. Shit that's so interesting
2: (laughs) you want to talk about a character that is consistently awesome through every version from the beginning in the comics through almost every multimedia portrayal never fails to be a crowd pleaser always finds new ways to antagonize spider-man you never get sick of him, j jonah jameson people
1: wow shit
2: it might be yeah. the best
1: uh, he definitely is and the thing is okay this is why he is the best That that's the god you guys are awesome uh, <laughs> fucking bill still chat mine coming in uh, dude this is the reason why he's the best because okay he's he's fought spider-man in the press he's also he created the scorpion he funded the thing to, fund, to make the scorpion and his goddamn son is the man wolf who came Mm -hmm. back from space as a NASA astronaut with a godstone on him and turned into a fucking werewolf who men Spider-Man. And then when Spider-Man saved his son, he castigated Spider-Man for it. It's like this motherfucker, like him and Norman Osborn are neck and neck for relentless evil over time.
2: It's insane. I mean, let me just throw in there, though. Some of the greatest... Spider-Man redeeming his villain stories ever told in the comics were about the softening of J Jonah Jameson. Those Mm -hmm. moments when he had to admit like I was wrong, you know, and there was a recent comic and I don't know if they've already fucking retconned it, but where he found out that Peter Parker, yeah, it was, it was before the one more day thing. And he found out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man the whole time. Like, his reaction was some tear jerking shit like that is a character that has more personal history and more nuance to his antagonistic relationship with Spider-Man than any of the supervillains on this list. Just straight mm-hmm. up. Yeah.
0: And, but the mm-hmm. problem is that he isn't exactly a villain. He's an antagonist. Right. Right.
2: I don't know, dude. I mean, you want to talk about a consistent source of strife for Spider-Man? Like, he's not a costumed supervillain, but I, yeah. I would consider him a villain in the Spider-Man mythos.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: Well, and
1: also, it's a villain is the hero from their point of view. Mm. That is
2: definitely applicable to J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. Jameson, I would, I would argue Jameson rivals Magneto for that. You know what I mean? Like being the hero <laughs> of your own story like that. Yeah. And, and, and that shit is so fucking good. And I like to me, this is a no brainer. And this honestly came to me probably about 15 minutes ago. And I was just keeping it in my back pocket till we wrapped up that Doc Ock conversation. It's pretty much perfect. But the other one that I just want to throw out there, guys, originally a Spider-Man villain, the motherfucking Punisher. Wow.
0: Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the only reason why I give him short shrift on that is boy, the 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 superheroic abilities of the Punisher when he shows up in the Spider-Man comic. This motherfucker shooting the motherfucker's webs out. <laughs> he's he's shooting he shot I think he shot off his web shooters in a book. He like yeah, shot right. the web shooters off of his wrists. I'm like, okay, this motherfucker, quick draw, McGraw ass, fantasy, you know, uh, I don't know, dude. Uh, that shit was just. That's why I, I give it short shrift, and I think as soon you know, I don't know man, spiel, you should I'm watch some trick it.
0: shooting on uh, on YouTube, man.
1: Yeah, mm. but you're not doing that while Spider Man's trying to kick your ass. I don't yeah, get all the all of those trick shooting guys. I've seen them. Some of them can pull the trigger five times in less than a second. And Spider-Man would have beaten your ass 16 times in that time frame. You know what I mean? So it's like Punisher fucking Spider-Man was always stupid as hell to me. And you know, my spiel, the farther Punisher gets away from superheroes, the cooler he becomes, the less problematic he becomes. So I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, you're absolutely right that people coming into Spider-Man as guest stars and, and guest villains and getting to have careers after it, he's he's a he's like a he's like a his coaching tree is strong.
2: Yeah, I mean, that character, I think, you know, his care his real character development and-, and what made him a great character ultimately happened outside of the Spider-Man books, but it should not be forgotten that he was mm. originally a Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. So yeah. had to bring that up. But well, I he, and he remains a villain for all these pussies and
1: liberals. He's a villain. <laughs> and <laughs> all the true. Republicans who think that they're the hero who identify with him. You're identifying with a villain. He and Dr. Doom. Are both villains of a sort, so that's your that's who you're camping up with when you fuck with the Punisher. So, uh and I think it's it's never more made clear than in a well in Daredevil and Spider Man books. It's made very clear who the villain is and who the hero is,
2: and it's Punisher. Punisher is the villain of those stories. Yeah, one hundred. The last one I want to throw out for you guys. Not that I think it'll necessarily make your list, but i I'd, I'd love to hear your take on it. Is Carnage? Mm. I feel like. Carnage is an interesting character because it essentially takes all the things that make Venom really high in the running for greatest Spider-Man villain. And then essentially pairs it up with the Joker. Right. And in a lot of ways, it almost feels like too obvious of a swing by the writers for, for me at least to like, want to give them credit. But you can't argue that like that maximum Carnage storyline Like, he is one of the scariest Spider-Man villains, and, like, you can get a lot of mileage out of that character, and he fits into that cool symbiote mythology that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what's funny It's just, like, I remember even when I was young reading it, even though I thought it was kind of cool, I also thought, so, wait, they're just making a Joker version of Venom? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm. And I thought I just was like, "What? Okay, I guess I'll read it because I read whatever Spider Man is is going on." But yeah, I, that's my problem with Carnage is is I just don't like that. That basically is what they did. They were like, "Well, what if we took Venom and also made him the Joker?" And yeah. uh, which, but at the same time, again, you are not wrong. Maxim Carnage is fucking awesome. So I, you know, it's one of those things where you are like a rich. I guess what do we say that we call it the iterative? Like it starts mm-hmm. off kind of lame at first, and then turned into something real, real good. So it, it definitely should be in the running now. For the last one, I think, and I don't even know if we count this character as a Spider-Man bad guy because I know Ed would disapprove of this, but Kingpin.
2: Yeah, I so. I have a hard time with this because I know that the Kingpin is technically a Spider-Man villain but like I associate so many great stories with Daredevil but yeah. but then the only monkey wrench to that is that Kingpin in Ultimate Spider-Man Ooh. was fucking awesome. Yeah. And like I yeah. really loved their relationship of like how antagonistic spider-man being like this wisecracking kid was to the kingpin who was so like self-serious in like it it was just a great dynamic that bendis was able to create in those ultimate spider-man books and it did feel it felt very earned like a great sort of arch nemesis relationship yeah well i mean
1: the 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 thing the thing about the like, I said my piece about the that shit, so uh, I'm yeah. moving on. Fucking, uh, we didn't talk at, really at all, besides saying that he's made of sand <laughs> about Sandman.
0: Uh, That's because I, I don't think he counts. I don't think he counts.
1: I, I think <sighs> he definitely counts, but he is like Hydro Man, one of those characters where it's just like, okay, you're over at you're overmatching Spider Man to a degree that is you have to have a terminal lack of imagination to not be able to defeat this child. You know what I mean? Like if, 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 and I think it's, it's telling that both the Rhino and the Sandman and Hydro man, all three of kind them, of they're so dumb. They can't fuck with your boy. You know what I right. mean? And, and the the Rhino is one of the, the to me, I, okay, let's, let's, we go do a low lights list real quick. Cause I, I you know, the Rhino to me is one of the lowest class Spider-Man villains of all time. I do mm-hmm. not get his staying power. I I understand the low key thing that he is like. I'm trapped in my suit. I was a big buff guy. They experimented on me. I got these vast amount of power, but I'm just a dumb thug at heart. Please employ me for your criminal activities. Oh, by the way, I, I like found a new way to piss and shit. I guess because my <laughs> suit is tied to me, or whether it's it's like melted to his skin. Yeah, like yeah he yeah. is a Rhino all the time. He cannot relax you know he's the rhino all day every day which is some pathos for your ass and they do nothing with it for 40 years and now there's a cybernetic rhino with a rhino please
0: please i don't like the cybernetic rhino that's so stupid
1: dude. and the the only thing that was ever done cool with the rhino was goddamn punisher either either punisher kills the marvel universe where it's it's drawn by goran goran parlov i don't remember who wrote it but the bottom line is the punisher's the last hero quote-unquote, left after the end of time. And the patient zero of the zombie apocalypse is Spider-Man. Mm. And the way that they found out that there was a zombie apocalypse was Spider-Man chased the Rhino into Madison Square Garden and beat his ass in front of everybody. And everybody's going, Spidey! 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 And then Spidey takes a big old gulp of Rhino's face and starts biting it off. <laughs> Holy shit. And then, and then Rhino gets up a couple minutes later starts biting at the people. And everybody in Madison Square Garden runs out smashing and crushing each other as they start becoming zombies and shit and that was the origin of the outbreak and uh i just that was the dopest moment of the rhino ever in life getting his face eaten by a patient zero (laughs) spider-man
0: you know what i mean so like yeah absolutely it's so interesting because um so there's a book i read jim butcher one of my favorite authors wrote a a spider-man novel um yeah and he has a the it's the totem guys that are in this one. Um, Hmm. And, um, and you know, they're trying to steal Spider-Man's powers and fuck with him and all that shit. It's a good book. But the first, first part of it is him fighting the Rhino. And, and it's really interesting because he's basically just, you, you're, you're hearing his inside brain where he's like, yeah, I shouldn't be the Rhino ever. The guy could fight the Hulk, but, He's so dumb. I just make him mad. I'm faster than him, and I web him up. I make him make a stupid mistake, and and then I got him. And it's like it's it's it was like a really interesting thing. And then they also he also made the rhino a little more interesting because the rhino gets involved with the the uh, the whole thing. So mm. uh, and and you kind of get he he really made the rhino a more interesting than I've ever seen anyone make him actually. So uh, maybe I should put that out there. Read that book, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds interesting to me. I, I think that there's opportunity to sort of treat the rhino as like Lenny in of mice and men, you know, like yeah. one of these giants who doesn't know how to exist in the world, but doesn't necessarily mean bad. Um, like, you know, make the rhino a more sympathetic villain, maybe, you know, some opportunity for redemption. But like, as is, I just there's really nothing that they've ever done with him that strikes me as like, oh, that's so compelling. Yep. Uh, to Great. to that end, the reason why we didn't talk about
1: goddamn Electro and this motherfucker at all mm. is because no matter what they do, no matter what kind of redesigns, no matter what they, the, the dopest Electro that I've ever seen was in the Spider-Man video game that came out on PlayStation oh, yeah. Four, and yeah. they've done remixes of. He was so he looked super sick. The way that his powers were like too too, too uncontrollable for him, so he had to wear his his costume was basically a power regulation suit. Mm. man god they're talking about some iterative hot shit that was some iterative hot ass shit i mm. i loved that shit uh but yeah he's not really a character and uh just rounding out uh, the kurt connor's thing of it the only mm. dope kurt connor story that i ever actually read two of them it's not really dope but it was an interesting take on the lizard as like a serial killer monster like not just i'm running around causing mayhem no i bite the shit out of people i eat them Blah blah. Craven's ex-chick used some voodoo magic to make the lizard into her avatar and fight Spider Man with renewed vigor. And he basically defeated Spider-Man. Hmm. And and uh it was a whole like it was in it was, in, it, was in, it was called Torment, and it was uh, Spider Man written and drawn by uh Todd McFarlane. And it just had this re- recurring drumbeat motif and all that different shit. And that was the dopest I've ever seen him. And then years and years later, Damien Scott drew an issue where basically it's revealed that the lizard has been pretending that he doesn't know what he's doing when he's a lizard. Oh, I'm a lizard. I don't oh, I'm like the Hulk. I don't remember my t- tattered, <laughs> tattered pants.
2: He okay. knows
1: what he's doing and he gets off on it. It's a real like he gets loves it to be the lizard it's so dope to him to be the lizard and he's been pretending that he doesn't get what he's doing and he's some lycanthrope sort of or lycanthrope sort of situation that's oh, the so, only oh, two so times saying yeah. kurt
2: connors like mm-hmm. actually loves being the lizard is what you're saying. right you loves being it, okay. the lizard loves to
1: wreak havoc loves to do all that shit but again that's just like one comic they like revealed yeah. that and i don't think they've done anything with it since so it's just like these guys they're not characters i don't know
2: yeah it's it's tough so many of these guys are one note and it's like the the original lizard story of like i'm a man with this disability and i'm Mm -hmm. doing research to try to cure myself but in so doing i actually you know poison myself and then i'm endangering my family and spider-man has to save my family from me and all i was trying to do was heal myself like that's a great story but at this point, it's been adapted in a movie, in a couple cartoons, and, mm-hmm. like, I don't need to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I don't know how much there 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 is with the lizard. You know what I and mean? And then they
1: tried to make the motherfucker, yep. like, Sauron. Not not Sauron, but Sauron from Marvel, who based right. his persona on Sauron because he was a Tolkien nerd. But, yeah, the guy who's a, who's a pterodactyl, basically, who wants to make everybody Savage Land dinosaurs. Yep. Uh, you know, they made him that in the movies. Yeah, And that wasn't even interesting. It's like, what the fuck? I just want to turn
0: everyone into lizards. Then they can grow (laughs) their arms back. How cool would that be? (laughs) It just
2: just makes me think of that meme panel of Spider-Man being like, dude, you could turn people into dinosaurs. Why don't you try curing cancer or something? And he's just going, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> oh. So uh, wonderful. So, okay. So what? Who, who was the final bracket? We got Doc Ock, Venom, what? Hobgoblin and J. Jonah somebody Jameson. Else, and, J. Jonah Jameson. And, right. um, and Judas Traveler and Scryer. Put definitely. Obviously. And Kane. Editor's note reference our episode on um, Is uh, the Clone Saga the Greatest uh, Entry Point in the Marvel Universe? It's one of our first episodes. Check that out for our intense feelings about Scryer, uh, Judas <laughs> Traveler, and the like.
0: I don't want to mention. I do want to mention Black Cat, but I don't know if she's a bad guy. Does she count as a villain? I don't
2: I don't think she's villainous enough to be a villain. Yeah. She's okay. she's Agreed. like Catwoman in the in the Batman Rogues, you know. Yeah. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, and just
1: last things last, I just want to throw this pitch out there cuz I just, I never think about Spider-Man like that. Right now they're doing this weird thing where Black Cat is basically a spider person. Like somehow she became a spider person. It's Not probably going to last, but I've been really thinking and they also have a character named Silk who um, Mm. got bit by I think either the same spider or a similar spider to Spider-Man around the same time and she got put away by her parents for years or something and now she's out and she's got this weird like homeschool mentality about everything, but her and Peter Parker have such an intense sexual connection because of the pheromones with their spiders, that when they see each other, they, like, have to fuck, and they, like, fuck for, like, three days, and, like, crime goes out of control at Bedside. the bodegas are are just in ruins, because is this motherfucker... don't no I want to true? read this, is I haven't
0: this read true? this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, her, yeah, it is true, It's her, her name is, uh, fuck, what's her name? I forgot S- it now. Cindy
2: Moon is Silk.
1: Yeah, Cindy Moon, that's Silk, yeah. yes. So I Silk... I
2: want to read
0: those.
1: I'm just saying, why isn't that the new way to do Venom? After they calm all the symbiote shit down or they calm this stuff down, somebody like that that has that intense psychosexual relationship with Spider-Man, getting symbiotized or different shit like that, and becoming Mm -hmm. his greatest enemy, because she has intense sexual knowledge, intense mental knowledge of him, has all of his powers, has a fucking symbiote, has all this animus towards him. That could be a true blue, like, Annie Wilkes from goddamn um, 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 misery, misery type shit for him. I just think that could be very interesting. Just throwing it out there for Dan Slott to take. (laughs) I
2: guess (laughs) I think that could be super fucking interesting way to use that character. I I agree with that. I mean, I think I think in general, like I I lean toward Venom in this just because there's been so much cool shit done with the symbiotes, and there's still so much more cool shit you could do um that your your quick pitch there being a perfect example um yeah man i think one of the things that we've definitely learned from this conversation is that like an intense personal relationship with spider-man wherever it comes from i think is really integral to the greatest Mm -hmm. spider-man villain
0: yeah yeah absolutely putting his regular life at risk mary jane and and uh Aunt May at risk is the is interesting. It's it's mm-hmm. a great a great part of the 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 thing, and it also allows Spider Man to like be pushed to his limits and really have something to fight for beyond that whole idea of responsibility and really wanting to help people and all that stuff, which is great. Uh, it pushes him to to also have a personal you know skin in the game type of attitude when he's fighting these villains. So it makes more interesting. Like he almost kills Venom at one point. Like mm-hmm. he almost kills him. He's like thinking about killing him. Like that's that's crazy. When you push Spider Man to a I might kill you point, that's that that's an interesting character. Well,
1: and, and like I said, as much as I would love for I'm I'm just so glad none of us is like the type to make a big giant pitch for fucking stupid Morbius or any of that bullshit. Glad we're glad we're on the right track here. What I do in my opinion to be the right track that is, but. I'll say a last minute pitch for Dr. Octopus because I'm leaning Venom as well. But the dopest thing about Dr. Octopus is that I think now he has like kind of like my Venom pitch just now. He is intensely linked with Spider-Man in a way that no other villain is. Like, Hmm. should he go villainous later? He has more knowledge about Spider-Man than anybody's ever had, including uh, perhaps Venom, uh, because he's been literally inside of his body, inside of his life, inside of his relationships um, and I just he think sure that, that's,
0: marriage, which is kind of fucked up if you think about it. But go on.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I just <laughs> wanted to gloss over that by saying inside of his relationships,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ, Ron, the fucking underliner over here. I don't want to yeah, do a sorry, secret code sorry. around this guy. Anyway, uh, but uh, we're gonna get secondhand canceled. No. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, sincerely, I do think that that would be one of the last things to maybe try to push him over. Plus his longevity. He's like probably three, four times as long lived as a Spider-Man villain than than Venom is. But I got to say, in the end, my pick is Venom just because of this scene and that um, Ty McFarlane thing. Bottom line, Venom was like beating Spider-Man's ass with no recourse. And Spider-Man had been going on and on with them for issues and issues, just barely getting away, barely getting away. They had a fight on a beach. No swinging around, no dodging, no nothing. Let's just all natural fight. And I I think Rocky and Apollo Creed ran by in the surf with their half shirts on, jumping in the frothy mist. (laughs) 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 So they're fighting on the beach, right? And Spider-Man gets the fucking epiphany in his head. He goes, man, I'm never going to beat this dude. This dude's a fucking monster with a monster on top of him. How can I beat this guy? Fuck it. Hey symbiote, I love you again. Come back to me. And it starts leeching off of Eddie Brock's body and flowing towards Spider-Man. And Eddie Brock. like, "You motherfucker! You, 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 <laughs> you fucking, you mis- forsaking me for this little twerp." But the, the but the but the symbiote wants what the symbiote wants, right? right? Mm. And it keeps pulling away from Venom until it's stretching to try to get off of him, but it's too bonded to Eddie. And the strain of trying to get off Eddie to get to Spider-Man defeats him. And Spider-Man, that's Spider-Man's way of defeating him. It's like, that's a Spider-Man story through and fucking through. He thought his way out of it. He admitted he wouldn't have the physical strength to defeat this greater hero. And it's just villains make the hero look dope. And uh, of all the childhood stories I read about Spider-Man, that's one of the best times and and dopest uh, scenes to show who Spider-Man is. And it was caused by Venom. So that's why he gets my vote.
0: All right. Cool. Ron Ron, who's your vote? Oh man. This is a hard one because you know, when you start talking about J. Jonah Jameson, man, mm-hmm. I just I just am having a hard time thinking of anybody who's been a better antagonist, who's made his life yeah. harder.
1: All right. The caveat uh, is the best superheroic villain, because yes, the villain
2: is yes. Jameson. James. Uh, listen, yeah, Jameson is my vote as well. So maybe we we all <laughs> yeah. agree on that he wins. But you know, let's uh, who's the runner up in a costume? That's the question. Yeah,
0: i I think I gotta go. I think I gotta
2: go. Doc <laughs> Ock.
0: Well, maybe Hobgoblin.
1: Hmm. I mean, Hobgoblin. The intrigue around Hobgoblin. To me, is at least as interesting as as uh, Venom was for years. But I got the the I think also just us praising a retcon and giving it the fucking trophy when really they just kind of found their way, stumbling through the dark, like Jason Momoa yeah. in that yeah. Apple Prime show or whatever. You,
0: you know, know what? I think I, gotta go. <laughs> I think I
1: got to oh,
0: go. I think I got to go to Doc Ock because of honestly because of the movies. Mm. I I just think. What a great villain he is in the movies and in Spider Verse. Even mm-hmm. though it's it's uh it's it's a different Doc Ock, it's still a great character. Yep. And I yeah, I'm going Doc Ock. I'm going Doc Ock. It just feels mm-hmm. so. And in the and in the the freaking video game is amazing. That that's yeah. the story in that video game of Doc Ock is like wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going Doc Ock. It's Absolutely.
2: not. I mean, it's not a bad pick. I am gonna stick with Venom. I think I I agree. I think Hobgoblin, as cool as he is, like he doesn't have the personal connection that I think would makes a truly great, yeah, yeah, Spider Man villain. For me, I think it's Venom, but just by a nose. Venom and Doc Ock are both great choices for the greatest Spider-Man supervillain. Yeah, they, they're the yeah. top two. I think almost on on
1: almost anybody's list, unless you're a, a real Electro fan, <laughs> you've yeah. got a lot of you light know, bulbs in your house.
0: <laughs> the argument of when Harry Osborn is Green Goblin at one point—that's like—that's pretty personal. But I still don't. I still it just don't doesn't think because heart. it's. And it's not as consistent either. Like yeah. that's only a pretty short time period, and I just don't think it reaches the value that we that you want for him to be up there. It's a, it's a it's a good mention, but I don't think it's good enough to to topple
2: Doc Ock or Venom either one of those characters. Well, and let's be real too. I mean, some of this is generational. Like, yeah, maybe yeah, if you're if you're a nerd from. Back in the OG days, then I'm sure you think we're nuts by not even including Green Goblin in the top two. But I think our generation, Green Goblin, that story was told and it was over with. And their attempts to bring him back have been uh, less than satisfying. And in our reading history, Doc Ock and Venom for sure are the superior of the villains.
1: The yeah, superior
2: sure. of the villains. <laughs> I see what I yes. did there. Yeah. Nice.
1: And and if you have a differing opinion, please go ahead and throw it in the comments, uh, or rather, uh, yeah, in the comments when we finally do the video for this, and in the for the audio version. I don't know. Maybe give us your thoughts in the form of a five star review or mm. talk to us uh, on, on an Apple. Apple has one and Spotify has one. So if you're not an Apple user, jump on Spotify. Give us five stars. Tell us a nice magnum opus about how dope we are or argue with us. Either way, throw five stars
0: on that bitch. Well, and if you really want to and you want to leave us a review somewhere, somewhere random, I don't know, on a Reddit thread talking about Spider-Man or, or whatever, take a screenshot of it. And, e- and email to us at uh, uh email the greatest pod at gmail.com we' will we'll read the review and let you uh, and, and give you some some shout out time
1: yeah nice and uh, last things last join the patreon patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod for uh weirder conversations than this <laughs> we we definitely had a d23 show and it was not just a oh we love all this stuff it was way more involved than that and way more uh frankly hard-hitting. So, if you want stuff like that, Why the Hulk is Not the Greatest different episodes like that, th- throw, us, throw us a few shekels for our, our Patreon. But uh, which one of you fuckers wants to take us out, babies?
0: Um, I think it's me this time. Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode of The Greatest
2: Pod. Judas Traveler for life, G. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.